The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you by Spirited Sea Travel. Reserve your space for spring 2020. Visit spiritedseatravel.com and mention Unity Online Radio when booking. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for being an intentional spirit. And we would absolutely love it for you to join us on Spirit at Sea Travel. We're joining with Unity of Houston in March, and all the information is on the website. Wow, love being here on this show, Intentional Spirit, because we have the opportunity that we talk with people of wisdom, the sages, uh, through the years that offer insight or practical application or or ways of being that allow us to continue to step into the journey of our soul. Uh, One of the things I say so often is people, in my own humble opinion, spend so much time seeking their purpose when to understand you are the purpose and understanding what your soul came here to do means everything. So, boy, we have brought an expert in today. Her name is Linda Moon Rabbit Flotsneck, and she is with us, and her specialty is astrology. Linda, welcome to our show today. And good day to you, too. And I just want to clarify, do you want me to call you Linda or Linda Moon Rabbit or Moon Rabbit? <laughs> Actually, people call me Moon Call you moon. Okay, moon, moon it is, because honoring someone with how they want to be named is very, very important. Well, um, I love talking about astrology. It's just one of my most exciting conversations, other than than resurrecting and, um, and living when you're walking dead. I mean, there's very few things that I find more exciting, and how to, you know, fully live. So how did you uh, get on this journey that you are on? Um, were, when you were born, were you like chosen in a tribe? Or how did you discover that this is of your interest and this is what you're passionate about? Well, um, it actually took me until college. Uh, up until that point, I don't think I had any uh, even inkling, you know, that there were worlds beyond kind of what what life had presented me with. But I was lucky enough in college to be introduced to somebody who was studying to be an astrologer, another college student. 
and she wanted to practice as much as she possibly could on people who would let her. And so I was a subject, and she did, maybe it was a 20 or 30-minute little session for me uh, at the university where we both went. And uh, quite a few of the things she said I thought could have applied to anybody, but there was like two or three minutes of something that she told me that was so beyond accurate that it really completely made me stop and think, Oh my God! You know, there, there, there's something bigger here that I have to understand. And so, after our little time together, I went to the public li- <laughs> the public library. To see if they <laughs> oh, remember? Should book. we explain to people what that is? <laughs> <laughs> wow, we used to go there for hours, didn't we? Oh my gosh! Anyway. Book in the library about astrology, which actually was a pretty decent book. And then I did find uh, what was called, I think, a metaphysical bookstore where I was able to get more astrology books. And uh, it started me on a journey that uh, really getting on 42, 43 years later, I tell people it's never been boring even for one moment. Mm. It's absolutely, absolutely fascinating. Um, if I may, I'd like to share a couple of stories with you. Uh, one is, is that as a teenager, I, um, I was going with a bunch of friends and they were going to get tattoos. Well, shall I say in the 70s and going into the 80s, that's not really, uh, they weren't popular like they are right. now. And so I had too many beers in the bar next door and decided, well, I'd get a tattoo too. And so I got a tattoo of a little moon and star and it's very tiny, about the size of a dime, not quite the size of a quarter. So it's kind of subtle, but oh my gosh, my Southern Baptist family had a fit that I had this on my arm. And my aunt said, uh, do you know that that's like a sign of the Islamic flag? And I'm like, what? I mean, you know, I no, I just love the moon and star. Fast track to many years later, a man uh, contacted a company and what they do is they tell you, uh, they tell the company the day you were born. And from the day you were born, you get this beautiful framed image of how the stars were aligned and, you know, the galaxy and all of this stuff. Guess what mine was? moon and a star a moon and a star and I went oh that's what that was <laughs> so, it's very intuitive it, yeah it's, I find it so uh, so so fascinating um, in how it all works together and um, you're so right so you it, it just changed your life did you did you go into being an astrologer right away or did it well, kind of take so, shape um, through right, the years? I read some books, and I started practicing on my friends, probably a little prematurely. <laughs> but then a couple of years later, <laughs> I uh, found That's out funny. about uh, mm-hmm. uh, a month-long intensive in California, which is, of course, a, a hotbed of astrology. And it even was back in the late 70s, kind of more than where I lived, the Twin Cities. And so, you know... Uh, 
she took a payment plan. I didn't have very much money, and I made my way out there for a month and studied with uh, her name was Zaborda Dobbins, uh, a brilliant woman with three or four PhDs who had decided that astrology was re- really kind of much more of a unified and coherent worldview than you know what she'd studied in anthropology or philosophy or any of the other things that she had been studying. And so it really was after I completed her course that I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to hang on my shingle and uh, do this full time. And you've been doing it ever since. I have been doing it ever since. Yep. So, uh, yes, that's many, many years of, uh, uh, you know, uh, people will will often say to me, um, you know, uh, is is my horoscope, you know, is it special? And and I think in the beginning I used to think that there were kind of special horoscopes. And let me just say that horoscopes are really like snowflakes, so every single one of them is different. But um, now that I've seen so many of them, I don't know that any of them are really that special. I mean, they're all special, but I think, you know, it, it, it's a... It's a very, very unique kind of insight into the makeup of a human being. Oh, ab- absolutely. I um, have never really understood why everybody wouldn't have um, at their uh, beck and call or as part of their contacts, if you will, an astrologer. I had used the same astrologer for the past 14 years and, and she died, uh, last August. And I think of her often like, well, I would be calling her like right now. (laughs) Uh, To me, it, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's such a level of guidance and, and it's, and, and I guess if we were to define it for people that, might think it's woo-woo or, you know, like, oh, it's outside forces or, you know, whatever. It's like, well, so is a map and you're driving your car. (laughs) You know, so is GPS. I mean, that is an outside system that you use to get yourself from one place to the other. So why, with intelligence and common sense, would we not want to have an astrologer work with the other elements because they they do make a, a difference. Um, Mercury in retrograde is one of the more you know more famous, well known right. ones, right. or more common. Right. But anybody that's in tune with life must get that. That's not a time when you start a new project, or you don't do that when the moon is void of course, or you prefer not to schedule things then and. It's just pretty simple common sense, really. And I think most people are aware of the fact that the full moon, you know, I mean, it changes the tides, and our bodies are primarily made out of water. So how could we not be affected by the universe that we live in? That's the part that is hard for me to understand, where people would dismiss astrology because, you know, it's something that seems so remote and yet we live on a planet that's part of a solar system and everything's moving in this very kind of synchronous and predictable way and how could we not be part of something larger than ourselves absolutely absolutely well there's that dimension of 
of, um, of people wanting to control things from a box uh, way of thinking because uh, farmers, um, uh, aborigines, uh, the, the beginning days of life uh, in cultures were all about aligning with the stars and the seasons and and how could you throw away something that's so effective knowing that it works? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And the universe just agreed with me because we just had a big, like the skies opened up. I don't know if you can hear it in the background, but I it's boom, it boom, boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. A lot of thunder <laughs> going on, going, yes, yes, yes. yes Have moon yes. keep talking. <laughs> yes. So, yes, astrology has been a very rewarding uh, way to spend my working hours getting to know so many different people and uh, accumulate so many different stories and kind of watch people as they evolve, given, given the map that they start out with. And when you're a trine, is there a such thing as a triple trine? Because that's how I heard it. Or is it simply you're a trine? Well, I never heard that. Uh, you, you might have a trine in your chart. But right. I never heard somebody say you're a trine. Right, a trine in your chart. So could you be a triple trine, or would you simply be a trine? I don't. I don't think there'd be a triple one. You can be okay. this very. There's a very, very interesting pattern that looks like a star of David, where people are born with two trines that, uh, you know, show up in the center of the chart as the star of David. David, that's very, very unusual. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I don't know how much you've studied this temple, but uh, astrologers used to think that trines were the like best things ever because they make life easy and they're uh, associated with, I, I would say, a certain amount of good karma from previous incarnations. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the late 80s, somebody published a book. They had gone... Uh, to a prison and collected all this birth information and studied all the charts of the inmates. And one of the factors of making life easy that trines do is that sometimes people then expect everything should be easy. And Mm -hmm. so some of these people out of that expectation, oh, I shouldn't have to do anything. I want money. You know, I want this or that. And, And so it gave me a really, really different perspective on this whole notion of trines in people's charts. Because we still make choices, don't we? And and we still are part of a human experience. Absolutely. People are afraid to go see astrologers because they're afraid that their future is written in stone, and it really isn't. So that's a very, very good point that you bring up. In every particular kind of planetary activity, there's a whole range of uh, experiences and events, and uh, I think of them as uses for the energy. And so mm-hmm. uh, when people come to like talk about the year ahead, I'll talk to them about, you know, this has this energy, and it can go this way, and it can go the other way. And that's where we get to kind of step in in some way, and, and then, like you said, make a choice. Absolutely. Again, it's like a map. You know, you can put your address in in a car and you can choose to follow it or not follow it. 
And if it says turn right and you say, no, I have a feeling of going left, then you'll go left. And that's how I've always seen astrology. It's it's like a confidant. It's like a like you're you're sharing with your best person and they are giving you feedback and somewhat advisement about what is possible and about, you know, tools that are there. And then you can decide whether you're going to go with them. And, and there's also timing. Um, 20 years ago, I was a, a science of mind minister uh, in discussion with a unity community. And uh, 22 years ago, actually, and and they, you know, were talking to me about uh, would I want to come there uh, because I, I wanted to stay in the city where I lived. And so I called an astrologer and she told me that um, that it didn't matter, that I would ultimately be a person that would show everyone there is no difference. And that 20 years later you know 20 15 years later or whatever is what i started becoming a spokesperson about so there's the timing of things too um and i actually remembered that and found that uh cassette player speaking of public libraries then we used to have cassette tapes (laughs) (laughs) so i had to find the tape first and then find something to play it on and i said lo and behold 20 years ago that's exactly what she said you know, exactly that, that what I'm living now. So I can't say enough about it. I, I love it. Um, and I, I can't imagine anyone not taking advantage of it. Uh, and yet, you know, as well as I do, because I'm a shamanic practitioner and there are all different types representing the understanding and the teaching and the learning, you know, so, um, Thank you for representing the field with integrity. You know, not everybody can or does in any, in any field, in any field. So that's what I would say to our listening audience. If you didn't have a good experience with an astrologer along the way, it's not astrology. It could have been the person doing it. Give it another chance. And, uh, you know, over the time that I've been in astrology, we've developed organizations that, uh, train people and then certify people and kind of weed out, you know, the, the people who really are not, not capable, let's say. Okay. So, um, you know, if, if you're out there looking for somebody to do a horoscope for you and you're just not certain, almost everybody who is a bona fide practitioner will have a website. And on their website, they'll talk about their qualifications and they'll talk about their certifications. And, you know, it, it's it, when I started, it was really, I, I think of it as the Wild West, you know. I mean, anybody could hang up a sign anywhere and say they did astrology. And even now, people publish those columns in the newspapers or magazines, you know, and they're not really astrologers. They're just people making stuff up. And so you do have to be careful when you're looking for a practitioner, you know, because there are people who will claim that they're using astrology, but they really are are using, I don't know what, something mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. Oh, well, claim. absolutely. Like a lot of people use the, the term that they're a shaman when they went to a weekend retreat. And yep. that's uh, this does a huge disservice to the, to the movement itself because 
um, unless you're born in a tribe or handpicked, you're not really a shaman. You're a shamanic practitioner. So um, absolutely, I totally agree. And speaking on website and credentials, uh, please go to uh, Moon's website. It's astrologybymoonrabbit.com, astrologybymoonrabbit.com. And you can look at her services, her blog, uh, her schedule and traveling and uh, get, get to know her. And get an alignment of, of what is possible for for your life. Well, I know one of the um, early uh, fascinations for me uh, a long time ago was having my natal chart. Why? What is a natal chart, uh, Moon? And why is it important or significant to a person's life? So I think of it as kind of a blueprint, or we can use your analogy of a map. Uh, the idea behind the birth chart is that when we take our first breath, our soul kind of agrees to uh, a, a certain amount of uh, th- this vast life experience. And every soul that comes in, every person that comes in, has this very unique life's journey that is spelled out in that birth chart. So we'll talk about not just qualities of personality or qualities of character, but it will also talk about capabilities, abilities, and then like lifelong struggles. And so if you are of the mindset that we all come here to learn and grow and evolve, the birth chart is a really like amazing vehicle in terms of gathering information about that. And um, uh, I, I have two children, and of course I, d- I did their birth charts. Uh, and I think anybody who has children, you know, it's like imperative that you have their birth chart because uh, it, it was able to give me information that really changed, I think, how I parented them because I understood them in a way that I might not have not having that information. Mm. So if I could give one little example. Oh, we have a lot of time, so okay. just don't ask. You just, you're just you here to share what you're about, so uh-huh. go ahead, please. So, um, uh, okay, so uh, one of my daughters has a lot and a lot and a lot of Scorpio energy. And Scorpio energy is really misunderstood because the basis of it is about transforming oneself, you know, and uh, unfortunately, what I think of as popular astrology, you know, it's kind of taken mm, more, I don't know, uh, just to make it more interesting, you know, they've taken aspects of various signs and they've kind of turned them a little bit. So if you just read popular magazines or anything like that, you know, Scorpios come off as being these kind of maybe nasty or vindictive or, you know, power-hungry kinds of signs. But Scorpio is really a sign of self-mastery. So um, when my daughter was growing up, you know, like all children, you know, stuff would make her mad and, you know, other people would really upset her, which is, of course, a normal part of life. And I knew because of this aspect from her chart that, if she could learn that you can't change other people, but you can change yourself, that it would give her a really huge head start in life. 
And so, you know, things would come up, and I just kind of had my little mantra, you can't really change other people. You can only change how you think about the situation or, you know, whatever I could in terms of guidance. You can only imagine how rewarding it was, you know, when she was in high school and a few years after when she would talk to me about a frustrating situation in her life, and she would say to me, well, I know I can't change that other person because it took me till I was like 50 to figure that out, right? And here she was, you know, a young adult with that piece of knowledge in her hand. And how much easier is her life? Because most people can, it can take them a really long time to figure that out. So, um, so I love birth charts and I love doing birth charts for parents. And, uh, you know, uh, I tell people nothing can happen over the course of your lifetime that isn't already prescribed. Now I'm, oh, I realize, uh, I I just, uh, I hate this mercury retrograde. I contradicted myself. Okay. Because I said, you know, oh, the chart isn't about destiny. But on a certain level, it is about destiny because nothing can happen Mm -hmm. in your life that isn't alluded or that isn't present in that birth chart. Yeah, that well, that makes sense. It's like it, it's part of um, the design. <clears throat> and, and one, based upon the day-to-day decisions, either goes in those directions or decides against it. I mean, free will and choice always come into play, right? Yes, they do. I mean, you don't go to a Buick car dealership looking for a Jaguar. So there's some things that are just predestined. <laughs> They're there. And um, they are at, at least that's, you know, would be one of the senses that I, that I would feel about it is that your your natal chart gives you a lot of insight about who you are and your personality and your essence. And um, it's very powerful to do. And I've had it done more than one time and uh, with more than one astrologer. And and I think that that comes into play also doesn't it moon that just like a a a teacher of spirituality one might sound one way and one might sound another but they they based upon their own life experience and their learnings i think it comes into play as well is that is that accurate or did i make that up i I completely agree with you (laughs) so um you can't really um perceive, explain, or journey with anybody beyond where you personally have experienced, grown, or journeyed yourself. And so, you know, everybody has their limitations and everybody has their gifts. And so even though we can now, you know, go through training programs just like any other field and get basic information about the chart, you know, everybody's going to interpret it through the lens that they interpret the world through. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I want to remind everyone that we're talking with Linda Moon Rabbit Flotsnack, and her website is Astrology by Moon Rabbit.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you enjoy our programming, we invite you to support it by visiting unityonlineradio.org and clicking on Donate Now. Help us continue to provide inspiring content to everyone. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment by Ed McShane, a coach for your heart. When you are compassionate toward another person, you will be happier, scientifically proven. However, being compassionate has a prerequisite. Give the other person the benefit of the doubt. So to achieve a nearly instantaneous state of compassion, follow these three steps. First, take a deep breath. You feel conflict, annoyance, upset? Breathe. It takes a little time to train yourself, but in time it will be reflexive. Secondly, offer a blessing and a statement of forgiveness to whomever upsets you. Bless their hearts, they probably started off the day badly, is an excellent way to reset your offering the benefit of the doubt and bringing your compassion to the front of your heart. Then breathe again and say the following. I hope they're going to find a little peace today. The benefit of the doubt precedes compassion. To find out more about A Coach for Your Heart, visit acoachforyourheart.com. What if you could start each day with a positive outlook, remembering you are a divine expression of God? Daily Word is a booklet of daily devotionals offering positivity that's downright contagious. With a print subscription or by email, you can pause to reflect on how to practice spirituality in your human experience. Reading Daily Word takes about a minute a day, so you can feel uplifted every morning. Visit dailyword.com to subscribe. Follow UnityOnlineRadio.org on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay up to date with everything Unity. Become a fan by clicking the like button. You can join in with a Facebook Live event or just like and share our inspirational messages and posts. Be the first to find out about any big special guests on the radio, giveaways, or events at Unity Village. Make sure you leave any questions or comments about Unity programming. We want to hear from you. Learn how to break away from self-limiting beliefs and get some support with T.J. Woodward and the Conscious Being Radio Show every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central. A recovery specialist, author, inspirational speaker, and coach, T.J. will share practical tools and life strategies to help you overcome your fears and learn to awaken to your true nature. Join the show with your questions and comments and get the support you need to move forward fearlessly. T.J. is here to help every Wednesday on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Experience everyday peace with Dr. Drayvon James every Monday at 4 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio. In today's busy world, it's easy to get overwhelmed and disconnected. Tune in to the show. Where... Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. Wow, are we having a, a real... Um wonderful and informational uh, time today as we're talking with Linda Moon Rabbit Flosneck. She has spent her whole life uh, with the mastery of astrology, if you will. 
She does natal charts, comparison charts, which is also, you know, real important if you are pursuing a relationship or committing to one or you are in one already. I've done that. And that is so powerful to have you and and your partner, your husband, your wife, best person uh, to do charts and to have the comparison because it makes a lot of things make a whole lot more sense. Let me tell you, <laughs> it moves you out into the psychology and it helps you understand beyond the personality. Um, she does uh, coaching of and working with people that have uh, loss and also that want to delve into your future a bit. So I'm just honored moon that you're with us today. Talk to us about your book. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, so um, the name of the book is Star Sisters, a twins, an astrologer's memoir of twin loss. And um, it stems from uh, the year basically 2005. So I was born an identical twin. And um, it's a very extraordinary experience to be a twin. And uh, until 2005, I had no conception of what it could possibly be like to not be a twin. But unfortunately, my twin developed ovarian cancer, which is a very, very, uh, it's a hard disease to cure. It's a very, very, very low cure rate. And um, after the diagnosis, she only lived five months. And uh, I didn't imagine, I mean, I, I went through a loss that was very, very unimaginable. I think it's very common, especially for identical twins, to just kind of uh, believe that, you know, if, if you were born together, of course you'll, you'll grow old together. I mean, it, it just was kind of a given that I had in the back of my mind that, you know, I would have my twin my whole life. So it was pretty unimaginable for me. I mean, I, I, so I had some foreknowledge of the fact that she, once I knew she was sick, that she would die because I already knew I was in this big cycle of separation. But the grief and the emptiness and dealing with this kind of soul-shattering loss was something that I, I don't think anybody could really prepare for such a thing. So um, the book actually came out of something that happened, you know, a, a short time after she died. I did what I suppose any astrologer would do. I cast a horoscope for her moment of death. And um, I was fortunate enough to be at her bedside when she died. And so... Um, in the midst of my grief, I looked at my watch because that's what I'd been doing for 30-some years is just looking, you know, timing things and, and doing horoscopes. So um, I created something that I didn't know what to call. I called it a death chart. And over about 12 years, uh, it became something that I would go to to try and find meaning in this tragedy that had occurred to me. And it worked. It worked. I, I mean, it, it certainly didn't come all at once, but the more that I studied and looked and delved into this, the more that things made sense to me. You know, things just were clarified. And what was clarified was that 
uh, her loss was part of my soul's path and that she really had completed her life's purpose. And it took me a long time to kind of make peace with that, mm-hmm. you know, just emotionally make peace with it. Mm-hmm. But once I did, the grief wasn't quite as terrible. And I have to say that um, I was fortunate enough within that first year to find a group that's called Twinless Twins International. And it's just this group of twins who all have lost their other half and who get together periodically, well, yearly, you know, to support each other and then uh, have a big online Facebook presence. And um, I learned from really lots of other twins, you know, that, that it's not uncommon when you lose a twin to go through what I went through and you you lose your complete identity, you know, because you're not a singleton. It's, it's not the same. So, so people who grow up, you know, just with themselves as, as a singleton, you know, they know what it's like to be alone in the world. They don't have somebody with them all the time growing up, going through the same phases, who looks like them and talks like them and thinks like them and buys the same clothes as them. And I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's an unusual experience. And um, so I, I think that... Uh, some of my intuition or possibly being psychic it is related to being a twin because so many twins have this experience, you know, with their twin that they, they just know stuff. They, you know, there's a lot of kind of not having to talk and understanding things. So I don't know if you know any twins, Temple, but it's pretty interesting to be a twin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't have... Um I really don't have experience with that. I the closest thing is you're as you're sharing without me, you know, being into taking my own inventory because I was just wanting to be present with you. The the relatability I have is uh, is that uh, along the way in my life, I met someone ten years older than I was who kind of reflected a lot of the essence that I saw myself either being then or being later. And then when, when, so I was 20 when we met and she was 30. So when she died, that was, um, and I had had a lot of death before then, you know, you meet some people that they're all, they're 40 and 50 years old and never had anybody die in their lives. I'm not one of those people, (laughs) lots of people, you know, great grandparents, grandparents and blah, blah, blah. But I just know how long it took to really recover from that loss because I just thought we would. I understand that people die, but I just felt like there was a plan for us, you know, that never came into being. So I I can't imagine what just in that simple comparison, what it would have been like for you um, to have that big of a change. And what I uh, enjoy about your authenticity is that you're still not trying to cloud or talk away the grief, which is so important. And especially now when we look at the levels of suicide and things like that, it's so important that people are owning their feelings. So thank you for that. Thank you for, oh, you know, the all of that and the process and, and where you still are with it on some level or another. And um, no, I just I just can't imagine it. it uh, the only thing I, I could 
kind of, is it almost like uh, when someone uh, loses a limb, it it still itches or they still think they have it at times or they wake up in the night and go to touch their leg and it's not there and they go, oh yeah. I mean, it must be really intense as a twin. You know, what was really startling to me, um, so, you know, my twin was sick and then she went into hospice. And so it was really, really clear, of course, that she was dying. And um, I said earlier, you know, I was there and I felt this connection with her. But when her heart stopped beating, there was like this emptiness I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, it was a very, very deep and very, very kind of dark kind of emptiness that opened up that I had never felt before. It was like this energetic, you know, missing, this energetic blankness where there'd always been something. So it was very kind of shocking to think energetically that, even though she, you know, as she went through the dying process, she was in a coma. But I felt the connection while her heart was beating. And then when it stopped, it was almost like, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it was almost like the earth opened up. And mm-hmm. I was swallowed into this very, very dark place where I could barely breathe. Mm. So, so yes, it, it was really I think very shocking, and I've learned from many other twins. Uh, I just had another twin tell me not that long ago that he was driving home from work, and he started feeling like really, really sick, nauseated and feverish, and he had to get out of the car, and he threw up, and it was just like this insane sensation. And when he got home, his mother was there, and his twin had just died. Not between every set of twins, but it's very common between twins to have this really physical, you know, energetic connection that it's just there because you come from the same cells. I mean, come on, you know, (laughs) you're part of each other. And so, um, yeah, so when when she died, it was a. it was a very lonely, lonely period of time for me, and I feel very, very fortunate that, you know, I had so much support from my family and my community, and I found a really wonderful grief therapist, and, you know, so there was a lot of healing that was possible uh, because of being in such a good environment for healing and then the discovery of the death chart and my using what I knew from astrology as part of that process, you know, that really uh, kind of sealed the deal, as you say. Mm. And then, and how long ago, uh, Moon, has that been? So yesterday was the 14th anniversary of her death. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So... Uh, About two years ago, I decided I would offer death charts for other people. I felt like I'd moved far along enough in my own healing that I would be able to actually be present and be objective and be helpful to people. And so um, because it had helped me so much, I thought, well, you know, why not see if I can help other people? Mm-hmm. And so uh, now I've been doing death chart readings for people for a couple of years, and it's pretty amazing. You know, it's pretty amazing the 
change that I see from the beginning of the session till the end of the session, or sometimes it's the change that I hear because I'm doing it on the phone. But uh, I prefer to do the readings, this kind of session on Skype. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm able to talk to people about kind of the larger purpose. Uh, about So the death chart readings are for the people who are still alive. And, you know, we all wonder, I think, like, why did this happen? And why did it happen now? And a lot of people carry tremendous guilt. You know, uh, I've just noticed, like, people will come in, and especially about their parents, that they didn't do enough or they weren't there. Or they'll just have some burden that they're caring about, you know, the person's death. And that seems to be alleviated through the death chart readings because uh Often I can explain or see some kind of symbolism that will give them a different picture of why this is happening, why this has happened, and kind of where their path forward is taking them. It's interesting how the the deep loss that you had occur then was a part on your path to bring you forward to doing this. Um, My wife does spirit writing, and it's been... um, a fascinating journey for her that uh, with someone's permission, she will actually, you know, kind of wake up from a sleep and writes for the person that has passed. And I've, I've found I just observing that like absolutely fascinating because she's able to use words or talk about the truck or Oh, until dad, I'm not mad at him anymore because, you know, he took the truck back and painted it red. I mean, she says some things that she wouldn't know because she doesn't know the person. And you're so right. You can literally see life and deeper breaths coming into the essence of a person. Yeah. So if you're, you're a person and you have something unresolved with a person that has passed, you know, it, it's so worth a small investment and time to have this type of death chart done, uh, so that you can go, Oh, and get that, that clarity, um, that, you know, as we, as we say often life is for the living and we know that, I mean, there's very interesting things about this life that doesn't seem fair. Like, why can't we pick our favorite pets and have them with us until we go? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just certain things that are, they're just there. And, and we're also fascinated by death and surprise when we know we start thinking the word death in the very beginnings of our words of life. But yet it doesn't mean it's not so difficult. And, I always tell people, you know, the deeper you've loved, the harder you hurt. That's right. That's right. And one of the things that wonderful grief grief counselor told me was basically a variation on that. Well, the reason that you're in so much pain is that you really loved your sister, you know, and it's very true. Very, very true. Mm -hmm. It's true that it seems like every loss that we have re-stimulates every loss that's come before it. And so um, uh, I talk a little bit in the book. Uh, when we were 17, we lost our mother. 
And so our twinship, I think, became more interdependent because, you know, from that point on, my, my dad said to us, well, you're all grown up now. And so he basically thought his job of parenting was done. And so we just parented each other, you know, so we became kind of more than sisters. And, uh, you know, I mean, because she was older, and this sounds funny to people, you know, because she wasn't that much older, but she was older. So, you know, she kind of stepped into a kind of semi-parental role for me, and I think in some ways I did for her back. Oh, yes. Now, with with the working with the grief and the component, which is still ongoing, because uh, to me, you know, a grief isn't a certificate. I did it. I'm complete. You know what I mean? It it could be oh, dribbles throughout the course of our lives or we still grieve after we have died. But I and I feel very strongly about that uh, because what I know for sure is I've always held on to the idea when someone asked Buddha. And of course, I'm paraphrasing, nor was I there, but it's like. How is it that you have such a deep laugh? Oh, my child, because I have such deep pain. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely believe in that and uh, and know that that's the difference of why you can listen to one person speaking and teaching and you hang on to every word and you listen to another one. And it was like, well, that was nice. <laughs> Got it. Yep. And it, yep. it comes from people who have depths because they've been willing to go into the depth of, of their of their being. But all that said, with the inner work that you've done, um, to just dig deeper and be with your twin, do you have a, a connection? Like, to, can you feel her sometimes or feel that she's talking to you? Or uh, I, I've just, I'm, I'm just asking that of curiosity because of, of my own life. It seems like when I've created things in such a space and kept them living, on one level or another, that there's still communication going on. There's still a space going on. So, well, um, absolutely yes. So, um, uh, you know, I, I told you about this kind of emptiness after my twin's name was Luann. So after Luann died, and um, you know that that in and of itself was so shattering that she was gone, you know, and it took uh, about a year and a few months. Well, I would dream about her. So after she died, I would dream about her. But the early dreams were all that I was chasing the back of her head in some really crowded place where I could never catch up with her. But then uh, it was really on the second birthday, our second birthday, after she had died, she didn't just, I didn't just dream about her. She decided, uh, I believe, to visit. So she came, we had a, she came to me in a dream and we had a talk, you know. So I don't know if you've had these kinds of dreams, but I hugged her and I could feel her body and I could smell her shampoo. And it, it was like, you know, I knew she was there and I was mm-hmm. crying in the dream, you know, where have you been? I've missed you so much. And she said to me, oh, I'm so sorry it took so long, but time is really different where I am. And that really stuck with me about, of course, time is different where she was. You know, so then we talked about things. It was very wonderful to have her back. And then she kept coming really regularly in my dreams in a more where we would meet each other. You know, we would have time together in the dreams. 
And then as I was working on the book, uh, it changed from the dream world into a little bit more like we were together. I was working on the book, you know, and so sometimes I could kind of hear her as I was working on the book. And um, so now I feel like, yes, she's, you know, I really am connected with her. And the, I, I had a big book launch here in the Twin Cities. And, uh, you know, on the drive over, I could, like, feel her in the car. She was so close. And then people from her life, not friends of mine, friends of hers, came to the, the book launch, which was very, very special for me, you know, because... Uh, you know, they were people remembering her. It was very sweet. Mm. Oh, and magical. And I, I you know, I, I had this moment just now, which I was correct. I haven't actively had a relationship with twins. But that being said, my astrologer of 14 years, she had a twin. And so I know from her, they were identical twins. I know from hearing through the years about this person that I had never met, you know, how close of a relationship. And I also know when the remaining twin was the remaining and uh, because her, her, her sister's death was so quick, you know, and that kind of thing um, that I think she really went through this thing herself of whether she wanted to be here or not, yeah. because they were the type of twins, if one had a cold, they could just call the other one had a cold and, you know, or yeah, something. Yeah. they were feeling down, then they were feeling down and, you know, um, that kind of thing. What was your uh, birthday? September What 1st. is your birthday? <laughs> not what was, excuse me. <laughs> what is September your birthday? <laughs> September 1st, your, why do you ask? September 1st, just, I just curious, I just, um, something, uh, told me to ask. And so I, I asked, that's all. Um, it's just an amazing journey, isn't it? This, yeah, uh, uh, immense mystery that, that we call life. I'm, I'm so glad that you are putting this book out there. And, um, even if you're listening and you go, well, I don't have a twin or no twins, you know, people that are very connected with someone or you know someone that is uh, still delving in the throes of grief um, and to be able to expand in that awareness and to get the book Star Sisters, it seems to me would be a wonderful advisable thing. Don't you think, I think Moon? It's suited to anybody who is recovering from grief, not just for people who are twins. So uh, many people who have lost a spouse or lost a child have written to me to say that they really got a lot out of the book. So yes. um, I, I think for anybody who's loved another another human being, yes, there's some, some value in reading Star Sisters. Mm, oh, absolutely. And the reason, the bigger reason that I ask is because I was sharing about my beloved who died when I was young. Her birthday was January the 11th, 111. And so 111 show up in my life all the time. Oh, and sometimes yeah. when somebody's sharing about a soul loss they've had, a couple of times when I've asked that, they had that same you know, date of birth. Uh, and so okay. that, I was just, I just like, now that would, I would just first. drop my microphone if that were the case, but I was willing to go there. <laughs> yes. What a fascinating, uh, 
journey. Well, I tell you, I have thoroughly enjoyed your heart today. You're so raw and willing uh, just to be, and that's so pleasant. Thank you. I love it when people can just be in into the space of true being and allow conversations to go any direction that that life has us go or we feel guided to go. Is there anything in ending that you would like to say that we haven't said? Well, nothing very pressing. It's been very delightful. So thank you. Hear that. You went went away. Okay. You said nothing pressing. Nothing pressing. I just wanted to thank you, Temple. It was very enjoyable talking with you as well. Oh, well, just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for your willingness to do it. um, It always takes a lot of courage and commitment for all of us to keep representing our our uniqueness and, you know, being different and um, also to face your sexuality in a time like me uh, that it wasn't really cool. (laughs) Yes. It uh, wasn't cool at all. True, you know. <laughs> um, we are trailblazers, right? So that must have been in our charts that we were going to be trailblazers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, keep living, keep living big. Everyone, we're talking yeah. to Linda Moon Rabbit Flossneck. Go to her website, astrologybymoonrabbit.com. If you enjoy these kind of conversations, uh, please go to my website, templehaze.com. Contact me. Let me know other things you want to hear about or if you'd like to be on the show. And also follow us on firstunity.org. You can listen to various things that we do or follow us on social media. It's always a pleasure uh, to be with all of you and your energetic presence and Thank you for your commitment to Unity Online Radio. We are committed to this this beautiful world that we live in. Bless you, everyone, on this amazing journey we call life. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on The Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again. Don't take your dreams lying down.